Welcome to the Wayside Podcast. The audio for this episode comes from one of the sermons given this past Sunday. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by what you hear. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us. I pray that you would take my words, that you would use them to speak to us for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Do be seated. Well, very sadly, this will be my last sermon here for a season. Not the last time you'll see me as I'll be in Family Table and Riverway next week, and I'll be back to celebrate at the table at the 11.15 on the 21st, which will mark my final week with you all, for now at least. So before I launch into the text, there are just a few things I would love to say, and they are all expressions of gratitude. Firstly, to my beloved colleagues and to Russ, who has chosen us all with our diverse gifts and often diverse opinions too, which, as you can imagine, makes for robust conversation and plenty of discussion, but always from this foundation of love and deep respect, and it nearly always ends nicely. But it also gives you, as our people, this array of voices and styles and types of leader, which in a church this size is so important. And Russ was a brave man to hire us all. And to my colleagues, I am so grateful for you. And I will miss you and all the ways in which you have made me a better priest. Marty, I'm so grateful to you for your leadership, for your deep love for our family, for your faith played out in prayer and action. And to Russ, I'm grateful too for taking on yet another English girl to add to your family and for his leadership and passion. But most of all, I'm really thankful for all of you because you have truly made Houston our home over these last four and a half years, so much so that returning to England doesn't really feel like going home at all. You have loved us and welcomed us and it's our hope that we will return to you. But in the meantime, Alex, Poppy and I can be found in Exeter in the UK where the US visa process in its longevity has given us an unexpected year off, which we will use as time to adjust to a new baby and protect my health, to be with my family and Alex's family, which are scattered all over the world, so we have a chance to create a hub to be with them. We also realized that in the last five years, we haven't actually taken a vacation. So since we moved here, we've just traveled to see our families. So we're gonna spend a little time trying to do that. And I sincerely hope that our friendships with all of you will continue and that eventually God will bring me back to St. Martin's. But for all the sentimentality I could and kind of want to indulge in, I think that these words are my final and best gift to you. So we'll turn to the text, which gives us so much life today. Today's gospel, and indeed today's feast day, talks us through Jesus' baptism. His baptism by John, And how incredible it must have been for John to be able to physically see the fruition of all he's been preaching to so many people for so many years. God finally declares to the world who and whose Jesus is. And we also get to see this physical encounter with God as the Holy Spirit like a dove. And it transpires to all who watch that everything John has said is true and that there was a greater baptism to come something most preachers don't get in their lifetime. And so as January begins, we can be relieved that our Advent season of repentance is over. Our Christmas preparations are done and we have seen God incarnate on earth, 
come to meet with us and be with us. And so now maybe finally we are ready to meet with God. Yesterday, as many of you know, was the Feast of Epiphany, where we remember the Magi's visit to Jesus and their awe and their wonder at being face to face with the child that they had traveled for months to see, face to face with God. It marks the end of this Christmas season, but this beginning of this season of encounter. And so Epiphany is our time of really knowing God. And we see this in the Acts passage from today's lectionary. Paul returns to Ephesus as he prayed he would have the chance to, knowing that his work there was not done. As part of his discussions with the people there, he tries to discern where it is that they're at in their faith. He's curious. He asks them about baptism, and then he asks, into what were you baptised? And that is my question to us today. If I asked you this, what do you think you might say? You were baptised into the family of God or a household of believers. Or maybe if you're really honest because you were baptised as a child and you've kind of just stuck around. Perhaps for you, it was about finding a community of people or a circle of friends. And when you baptised your children, what was your hope for them? Did it feel like some kind of insurance at a few weeks old that they would be with Jesus if, God forbid, anything happened? Or would you simply say, I was baptised into the Episcopal Church, which is the most common answer I've ever received when I've asked the question. And none of these answers are really wrong, and all of them have a God-given beauty of their own. But if we limit it to these things, then we have missed out on so much that God has intended for us through the waters of our baptism. I grew up in a tiny rural church in England where I don't think the Holy Spirit was even mentioned at all. And I hadn't even heard of the term until I was 13 and went to camp for the first time. I was so much like the listeners to Paul. All of these answers are almost the same as the ones given to Paul as well. We believe that we've been baptised with the waters of repentance. But we weren't just baptised into the church On your baptism day, although that is a powerful and beautiful thing, you were baptised by water for your forgiveness. But there is a second step. You were baptised by the Spirit, too, for your flourishing. Forgiveness, yes, but more than that, flourishing, too. And you might wonder, well, why does it make a difference? Well, it makes all the difference in the world. Because within you, dormant or fully alive, power resides the power of God, the power of God that hovered over the waters of creation, the power that gifted the disciples, the very same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. In your lowest moments and your greatest triumphs, what and where is the Spirit's song in you? Two days ago, Alex and I were returning from the UK and it was a catalogue of disaster. It started with a cancelled flight on one day, and then the next day, two more reschedules, both now with connections, which always makes my heart so heavy. Then we arrive at New Orleans at 7pm at night with no luggage, everything is lost, and therefore we miss our connection on the final United flight of the day. Even Spirit is delayed two hours, and by which time I have already been up for 22 hours pregnant, with a toddler, with my Sunday sermon still completely unwritten, tired, 
probably exhausted, hormonal, and as we prepare to move our life internationally again, I was emotionally done in too, and I lost it. Big, fat tears rolled down my face. I was completely done, completely done. Alex put Poppy, our three-year-old, into my arms, and I asked God how on earth we do it. How do we get from here? It's at least six hours to home if we drive, if there's a miracle of a flight. And I prayed for strength. And I know Alex prayed for a breakthrough. (laughs) And the mercy of God came. And we made it home, but it was really the power of God in me. I don't know if you've ever felt totally overwhelmed like this. Like you're drowning or you're out of control. Or like you're completely undone by fear or uncertainty. Or maybe for you, it's because you're brokenhearted at the state of the world or the Middle East, or your family's decisions or the choices of your children. Or have you ever really wondered if you're really enough or if God would really love you or if he's even real? Are you in a season where life is sapped of its beauty or its joy? Is your marriage feeling impossibly hard or sickness taking a course that you didn't anticipate for you or a loved one? Do you feel lonely, like no one really knows you and sees you? And if they really did, they would probably definitely not like you. Or does that sin of your past keep you up at night and you've asked for forgiveness, but you hold around your secret like a 10-ton weight on your shoulders every single day? Into what were you baptised, my friends? These moments ghastly and scary as they may be, can be invitations. Invitations back to our baptismal waters. Baptism isn't just for babies or new people or converts. It's for all of us every single day. The power of the Spirit every single day. That one touch on our baptism day isn't enough to sustain us for the whole of our earthly lives. In this church... As you walk in each week, you'll walk over that beautiful mosaic in the entryway. That's where, as many of you will know, the font once was. It was designed there to remember the water of baptisms as we enter this church every week, to remind us of the power that is in us, the chance to begin again and again and again if we need to. Mark places the baptism of Jesus at the front of his gospel for a reason, It's to remind us that there are new starts every day, do-overs all the time. And every time we open his gospel and we read the declaration of the Father to the Son, you are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. This is God's word to you, too, as an adopted child of God. The same power, the same love, the same inheritance. God declared at your baptism that you were seen and known and loved and every day we need to hear it. And if we really think about it, we know that this powerful love exists in the world and we see it. You may even have actually felt it with your own children when a mother or father holds a brand new baby in their arms and whispers, I love you. It's before that baby has loved back or done anything to prove itself at all. It's not worthy, but this deep, fierce love is real. Similarly, when Jesus is baptised, the words of the Father to the Son are the same. Jesus has no ministry, no disciples, no miracles, no healings, nothing at all of note has happened. 
His work and ministry begins at his baptism when the Holy Spirit comes upon him and he hears his father's voice. The voice of God is to remind us that life is always worth it, that we are always loved, that God is always present and that he has power living in us for the road ahead. Our worthiness is not important to him because he is the most worthy and Jesus has ensured that we can always find a path to God. Our baptism waters and the Spirit have the power to wash away all of the voices of the world, ambition or belittlement, temptation, rejection, sin, power, lust, anger, our deepest shames, our uncertainty, the doubt, the very worst of our choices in character. And what a glorious reminder that is as we all step into a new year. This is the epiphany season. Repentance is kind of done for now. Christ in the world is celebrated and now it's time to find again, as Colossians puts it, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And how do you find Christ in you, the hope of glory? How do we really see the Spirit when the Spirit doesn't tend to appear on our Sunday services as a dove in the middle of the celebrations? Well, we begin by asking God where he's working in the world, where the Spirit of God is hovering over our lives and families, our work and our play, and we thank God for it. And like with everything, I don't know whether you've had this when you're buying a new car and you think you really want a Ford F-150 and suddenly you see them everywhere. So it is with God. As you start to notice, you'll see the hand of God everywhere, the Spirit's power at work, mercies that you know that you're not worthy of. And then there's the harder step. The thing that doesn't come as naturally to us as Westerners in our ordered church with our nice services and our science and our expectations. You dare to ask God for his spirit to be with you. That you would recognise that your baptism meant that God dwells in you and that you would begin to hear the voice of your father through it. You ask that you would see the worth and beauty of what God is using you for. And then, if you're feeling really brave that he would increase it, that God would use you in the world for your good and for his glory, that he would give you new power to face the days ahead, to forgive yourself, to know your value, to make hard decisions. You can't just will yourself into being better. We need to ask the Spirit of God to help us. And as you pray, If you don't know what to say, you can always use the words of the great hymn writer, Edwin Hatch, who wrote, Breathe on me, breath of God, till I am wholly thine, till all this earthly part of me glows with a fire divine. Dear friends, into what were you baptised? You were baptised into the presence and power of God. Nothing else can really sustain you. Nothing else can remind you that everything is worth it. Nothing else can truly reassure you that you are loved, free, forgiven, and known. In a moment in this service, we'll renew our baptism vows together. They can sound at a first read a little bit like just a list of doctrines, which we all spend our whole Christian lives trying to get our heads around, and then followed by a list of impossible tasks, But today, I'd implore you to not get caught up in the practical. 
When in the first half we respond to the questions by saying, I believe in, ask God to speak to you through the words, to reveal something about his character to you. And then when we get to the second half, cling on to the answer, with God's help, I will. What is God's help? Well, it's the spirit living in you, the power and presence of God. So I leave you with this. It's the Church of England's beautiful post-baptismal prayer. My prayer is that it inspires you this morning as you walk through your baptismal waters again today and each day that you need to. You have been clothed with Christ. As many as are baptised into Christ have put on Christ. So may God, who has received you by baptism into his church, pour upon you the riches of his grace, that within the company of Christ's pilgrim people, you may daily be renewed by his anointing spirit and come to the inheritance of the saints in glory. Amen. Thanks for listening. The Wayside Podcast is a ministry of St. Martin's Episcopal Church in Houston, Texas. It was created by Ryan Presley and the Reverend Wesley Arning. Be sure to rate and review the show on whatever platform you listen to us. This helps more folks discover our podcast. If you'd like to know more about St. Martin's, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.